This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash York. Peace, everybody. So we started this podcast a year ago. And since then, all the support we've gotten and the following we've been able to amass has been honestly crazy to us. Uh, but our ultimate aim is not just to entertain people, but we want to use this platform to be able to give back to society and give back to the world around us to make the world a less horrible place to be living in. Um, I'm sure we all know that we live in a world that honestly does not always prize the things that we do. And if your passions don't align with the things that the world prizes, you're going to find it very hard to make a real living in this in this life. So from writers who are in prison and have legal fees to longstanding businesses that are closing down because of things like gentrification and rising rent prices to foundations and charities that help ex-inmates get back on their feet because they can't get a good job since they've been in prison and have an arrest record now. Um, this is what we're going to be giving back to. And we're going to be starting with Charlie the Hustler. So we're making a Patreon account and we're going to be using the funds to be helping and to be giving back to all of these things that were just named. First month is going to be Charlie the Hustler. And he's somebody who's helped us beyond belief. I'm sure a lot of you know he has not had an easy life. He was our first episode and he sacrificed his life for graffiti completely. I don't know where we'd be without that dude's help. So he needs our help right now and we're going to be returning the favor in full force. 100% of the proceeds will be going to Charlie the Hustler because he's living off of the grid in an RV and needs our help. He's in a bind. But if you sign up for our Patreon, along with just helping out, you'll be getting early access to less YKK and Lot 29 full episodes. They're already up right now on our Patreon. The link is in our bio uh, and the link is also on our website. Also, everybody who signs up is going to get a Charlie the Hustler eggshell die cut sticker pack. It's uh, three of Charlie's throwies. Each of them has a different design, and we're also going to be throwing extra shit here and there. So, yo, to everybody who listens, anybody who's messaged us, commented, anything, followed us, listened to an episode, I mean, even if you shit on us, yo, for real, it means the world to us. Uh, This has been nothing but crazy to me and Z, and uh, we cannot explain how hyped we are that all of this is going down. So at the end of each month, the proof of the donation that we make will be posted on our story. And uh, just peace and respect. Thank you so much, everybody. Enjoy the episode. All right, yo, take two. So um, (laughs) thank you for coming on the show, bro. So I've noticed on your Instagram that you like to travel a lot and that the photos that was getting me the most hyped was uh, you would lay out all your stuff and you'd put one bag and you have like this Mountaineer bag, which was getting me hyped. And um, you essentially go for one month and you just bring only one bag, like one bag, one month. So you're forced to live a more minimalistic lifestyle because of that. And yeah, what's, what's the deal with that? Yeah, that you pretty much said it. That's it. Um, I started traveling a lot. I'd say like the end of 2013, beginning of 2014. I get a decent time off from work, and uh, I used to try and go for a whole month. And it was kind of trial and error. The first few times, I would bring like 
a larger bag than maybe the one you saw mm-hmm. and I would not end up using half of the stuff that was in the bag. So uh, I was like, you know, it's a pain in the ass going from country to country or city to city carrying all this weight on your back. Mm-hmm. So I would try and chop it down a little bit each time, each time, yeah. each time. And then to the point where like, I'm just leaving with maybe like three t-shirts, two pairs of pants and like, you know, socks, underwear, that type of are thing. You, um, are you going alone when you go on these trips for a month? Um, at first I was going alone. I was going with uh, a significant other also. Um, and then like my boys were getting all hyped on it and they would try and meet me out and like hang out at a city or two and then yeah go back home if they had to or stay for a little bit but yeah when i was younger i used yeah. to like whenever i travel i would bring just like your standard suitcase and mm-hmm. you know you, you know how on the planes the suit the suitcase that you're allowed to bring just on with you is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller so the one i had at the time was was pretty it was like relatively big compared to the ones of today and i would just bring mad stuff i'd bring like i remember i went to even just like a few years ago, I went to Europe with a bunch of friends and I brought like four pairs of shoes. We were like skating, yeah, brought yeah. like four pairs of shoes, but only one of them or like there was two skate shoes because God forbid I don't have like a white pair and a black pair. Then I had like a pair like in case I needed to get fresh mm-hmm. and like go chill. Then I had another pair like in case like, you know, God forbid I have a fresh pair that isn't black and white. So I had to just bring mad shit i ended up either not using like you said half of it or using it like once and not even because i had to just because like god damn it i brought it so i might as well use it so recently like i'm like yo when i travel i'm just gonna try to bring like the absolute bare minimum which is what i've been trying to do and i recently uh you probably saw my instagram like i was in ecuador and like i i straight up brought like almost nothing it was pretty dope it's like a freeing experience in a weird way that's the way to do it I think I also would to keep going on that topic is uh, I met this kid in Vienna too and he saw the bag I had and he was like, why are you bringing like all, a bag for? What do you have all this stuff? And I'm like, you know, I need like my, my basic shit. And he's like, nah, man. He's like, when I travel, like I just buy whatever I need wherever I'm at. Like you can buy some cheap clothes, like mm-hmm. wherever you're at. You don't need to bring all this stuff. And then I was like, damn, he's, he's, he's on point with that. So I think like the next time I started traveling, I was like, you know, I'm gonna like go with nothing. If I need anything, I'll buy it and throw it away mm-hmm. before I come home. And then like, you know, you ever see those people at the airport? It's like one person, four giant suitcases. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like, where are you possibly going that you need all that stuff? Yeah, you I'm not. I'm I mean? not gonna carry a suitcase with like the rolly wheels and like clicking and clacking down the mm-hmm. sidewalk. No. I was Backpack thinking, like, we should, like, to go on a trip and just bring nothing but a straight-up plastic bag. Yeah, you Like, could a do plastic it. bag. You know what it is? It's like, so I have these pair of shorts, um, and they're just, uh, you know, like, almost 100% nylon. So they're really good for swimming, but also they don't look like swim trunks at first glance. Like, they're shorts that if I wore them with anything, you'd be like, oh, he's just like, it's just like a regular pair of shorts. And those are the ones that I was wearing in Ecuador, and it's like, I can swim in them. I can, like... They can do anything in them. I can chill on them. If I wear them with like a polo t-shirt, like a polo shirt, it looks like something that would go with it. But if I wear them with like a like a tank top or something, it also looks like it goes with it. It's it. like, dude, I only need these one shorts. Now Sick. you're on to it. That's you know it. what I mean? Yeah. Went to Florida. That's all you. That's all you have. Oh yeah, the only shorts. But or bring um, one pair of shoes, one that looks good, but you can also run in or like go out to eat in if you wanted to. Like you know. Yeah, that's like it. I was I was telling you the other day when we were on the tracks that um 
like what I like to do when I have time off, like I just get on my bike and fucking go for a week. And uh, recently, like two weeks ago, I went um, just exploring the East Coast, honestly. I didn't really have a just destination in mind. And the things with the bike, it's like what we were talking about. It's almost like a book bag because you can only strap a, a certain, like, limited amount of things to the sissy bar. Because mm-hmm. I don't even have that m- big of a sissy bar. So it's it teaches you. Like, it's funny because, like, it's like you said, trial and error. The first night I would... um. I would be like, yo, I have this on me, but, like, I would shed it. Like, I would throw things out that I felt like I didn't really need and that weren't expensive. And I was like, every day I would really see what I have and what I needed. So, like, I was, like, camping outside and, like, I realized what I did need and what I didn't. And I would, like, get the minimal for, like, the cheapest. I would just hit up Walmarts and, like, just buy, like, one avocado a day and, like, the most minimal thing. And it's, like, a freeing experience, you know? Like, I remember one night I just had literally a... An inflatable sleeping mattress on a grass lawn with my bike next to me and that was like all i had and a sweater and like i just crossed my arms and fucking hope to die (laughs) (laughs) just like you know fought out the night and it felt great man because you know i could spend a hundred dollars and go to a motel or a hotel and like you know have all these fancy things or like have huge saddlebags and take all this stuff i don't need but i think people need to do that more often you know like experience that you don't need all this stuff, you know? And um, It's true. Right when uh, COVID hit, I uh, went on a three, yeah, about three-day backpacking trip uh, upstate New York in the Catskill Mountains. And that was my first time doing something like that. And you, you really got to be minimalistic because you're carrying 40, 50 pounds on your back for three days. And you need just basically your essentials. That's you it. You better need all of those pounds. You uh, know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. You have to shave down everything. Even the tent you buy has to be like mm-hmm. a two-pound tent or a three-pound tent or whatever it is. You know, like really, really lightweight stuff. And I have a question for you. So when you travel and you and you go with uh, as li- as least stuff as possible, of, co- of course, granted, you're probably on vacation and stuff. But just aside from that, try to like take that out of your mind. Do you feel like you're less happy because you are missing things that you otherwise have in New York or all that stuff that might be in your crib, it has played literally zero part as to your overall happiness? Yeah, no, you're right on point. I'm just as happy as I am here at home. I'm also like at heart a minimalist. If you ever come to my apartment, there's not like a whole bunch of like random stuff mm-hmm. that like if there's no use for it, I don't have it, you know, like that's. That's pretty much how it goes with me. So do you have any, like, art and stuff? Yeah, I have, I have art and stuff, you know, to make my house look nice. The things yeah. that, are, like, I, like, value that I, I keep, but I don't have, like, a bunch of knickknacks and yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of, like, sneakers and stuff that I'm not using or just old stuff. Like, I just don't have... Yeah, I think I think a there's bunch really of random stuff all throughout my house. Yeah, I think there's really something to be said about that shit because it's, like... um. You know, as people who have, who like write graph, or if you're like a skateboarder, or if you're like, a, you know, generally like our audience who listens to this podcast are like into these type of things, uh, for the most part, you're not gonna, obviously there's exceptions, but you're not gonna have like riches. You're probably right. not gonna have riches. And if you don't have riches, you should probably be more intelligent with the way that you're spending your money. And if like we just kind of all mutually agreed on, right? We just kind of mutually agreed that, uh, at least in our in your experience and in my experience as well, like having all this extra stuff, 
uh, when we travel without it. I personally, if anything, like we just we all said, it's like a freeing experience, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, it's like a almost like a positive thing. Like it will, it literally gets me gassed when I look and like I look at my shorts and I'm like, yo, I just wore these for mad days straight. Like they're not dirty. Like I wash them and stuff, but I just wore these for it. Gets me hyped knowing that like. I don't know if it's some like unconscious thing, but it's like I don't even need like seventeen pairs of pants. Right, right. Because right. especially living in New York, it's like there's all these like really amazing brands and companies that do make fly shit, and it will you'll see them there. It will always be around you, and you're always gonna have that like thing that it's like you you're gonna be like, yo, that person looks fly. I should probably get those. What mm-hmm, are those called? Mm-hmm. And you Google them and stuff. But to know that you don't even need them, and not only that, like you're saving bread if you need to is really awesome to me and like you posted on your instagram this uh this uh famous chef uh i don't know his name because i think his name was like tony or something like that who yeah. had passed away and he that's had bourdain man yeah and he had this like yeah. oh that's him yeah and he had yeah. this like he had this like quote about like uh about like traveling and how you should do it the most possible sleep on the floor if you have to um you, you just have to do it. you have to travel see the way people live see the way people eat and cook and uh where have where have you slept when you've traveled uh usually i made a lot of connections traveling so like that's what always brings me back is every time i go like i meet a new person who will put me on to another person and another person and another person until you have like this whole network of people and you can you know if you got got a good relationship with them they'll pretty much let you stay at their place if if you wanted to mm-hmm. so sleep at a friends apartments or flats or wherever they're they're living Mm -hmm. and if not just get a cheap airbnb or a hostel that's it you can get a hostel pretty cheap hostels can be so cheap man yeah yeah so if you're willing to do that like if you're on vacation and you want to have a good time maybe you don't want to stay in a hostel Mm -hmm. but you can get a cheap airbnb if you do your research you ever slept outdoors uh no i've never slept outdoors see that's what me and me and him are on like the past like three four trips we've been on um when we go places we just uh we started with with puerto rico before Mm -hmm. the before the pandemic we just went uh it was like a bunch of heads who went but me him and one other kid uh didn't take part in like the airbnb shit which is there's nothing wrong with but uh we literally just wanted to save money Mm -hmm. Uh, and the airbnb would be the most expensive part of that trip essentially so we just uh slept essentially outside i had like a sleeping mat and then the homie had a hammock and then he had like nothing and just like bought a towel from a walgreens or whatever sleeping on the grass not even dude so it was raining at night it would rain so we found well, an the abandoned first night we uh well, the, slept yeah the first night we like a parking lot there was dudes like par- yeah. partying like 10 feet away from us yeah. like blasting music all yeah. night like peeing like three feet away from yeah. us and we're just like in the corner. Dude, I was just afraid that one of them was going to wake up and start driving and like run my head over. So I put like a bunch of like little beer cans that I found so they would hit that before Maybe hitting wake me. wake you up. Or hopefully notice, you know what I mean? It's like a booby trap. Yeah. And like, uh, so we started with that. And then after that, like ever since we've, anytime we've ever traveled, we just, uh, in a way, like it, at least in my experience, it, it, it like uh, makes the trip almost more enjoyable just because I am forced to experience it in full as opposed to usually when i get an airbnb inevitably like say it's like 7 p.m and we don't have any general plans we're like yo let's just go like take a rest before you know it you maybe you slept in the whole night there uh whereas like you know sleeping outside it's like well what the fuck we might as well do something because if what are we gonna do just lay on this floor so we just end up uh 
being out until yeah, and it super forces late. you uh to start your day super early too because yeah, you right? don't really want to be in the spot you're in when people start like going to work or mm -hmm. like start walking around so it gives you like an upper hand on the day you know like, yeah, you guys fresh. are just gaining better experiences that way bonding mm -hmm. with your friends no, you know so not you got stories that like you'll remember as opposed to like and it goes back to, like yeah. trial and error shit because the first night when we slept and he had to set up the booby traps like the second night we were like oh it's gonna rain we have to find something more convenient so we like slept under this like um storefront that was under construction and it had like a roof and like so it's like about getting used to things i guess people were like leaving us uh like coins because they thought that uh <laughs> you were homeless yeah they thought yeah. That we were homeless we're like kids yeah yeah it's pretty funny dude um yeah, when you travel, how much do you go with a certain amount of cash flow or it's just like credit debit? Mm, I usually try and, you know, plan for the trip, save up a decent amount of money. And then once you've done it enough, you get an idea of how much you're spending, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I go, I'll have money in the bank, you know. And if shit happens, yeah, you got credit too. What about, <laughs> what about like souvenirs and stuff? Do you buy shit out of no, it? never, never. I used to be on that. Photographs are my souvenirs and that's it. No. Yeah, you do shoot a lot of photos, right? Yeah, I do shoot a lot of photos, both digital and film. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I've never done anything with them. Yeah, I, I was just, just about got to them ask. sitting on ice, waiting for the proper time to. How are like? How do you plan these trips out? Together? Are they usually spontaneous, or are you like, um, you know, like really plan it out beforehand? Uh, I typically plan it out. You know, like uh, if I'm gonna go for a whole month, I'm not just gonna go to one place or two places i try and do like six or something like that so you know you start to talk to your contacts wherever you're going make sure you got a place to stay if they can line up the activities you're trying to do out there so and what, what see places, how the situation is what places have you been to uh, i'm sure you've been to a lot but like notable the you all the typical european places mm -hmm. berlin paris amsterdam rotterdam Vienna, Mexico. Um, you paint graphing all of them? Yeah, that, that's like the purpose of the trip, yeah, so really. So what's the deal with uh, Mexico City? Because I just recently had a homie go out there and like they really they really forced it on him. Man, I love it. I've been twice now and I'm planning to go back in, again in October this year. I went for Day of the Dead like, mm. two years ago and I'm going to go back again for Day of the Dead this year. That's awesome, dude. But like um, the, in terms of like the police, they, they didn't... Yeah, I got stopped every every time, but you got to negotiate with the police um, some some money, you know. They definitely want some money. They're corrupt out there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, if you got a local with you who can speak good Spanish, I can speak a little bit of Spanish, but not uh, good enough to negotiate with the police. So you got, you know, a local contact out there that can handle that situation for you. Yeah, I heard that but, they just yeah. stop you over, if they see the... They know that, uh, you know, Americans travel there to essentially paint graffiti. Yeah. And I'm they sure can... they stop non-people who, who aren't painting graffiti. And they'll just stop you and, like, even if you, you were straight up sitting on a park bench. Not you, but yeah. I'm saying, like, you could be straight up sitting at a that park bench. That happened. Yeah. And then they'll just be like, yo, it's clipped and you're either essentially giving us money or you're going to so, to something. Yeah, you know? that happened to me when I was out there last time. We were just chilling in a pretty well-known park there, sitting on a bench. And we were drinking a beer in, like, the middle of the afternoon. And cops on bikes rolled up. But I saw them coming from, like, a little bit of ways. So we, like, tucked the beer behind a, a tree because 
just wanted to hide it from them a little yeah. bit. And uh, they knew what we were doing. And we're like, no, you guys are drinking. You guys are drinking. Pay us money. Pay us money. We're like, no, that beer was there. Like, it was like from the last people sitting on this bench. And they're like, no, 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 it wasn't. Give us money. Give us money. And like, they were nice though. They were nice. It was like a, a female and a male officer in like middle of the afternoon. A bunch of people around. I think they probably had better things to worry about. Mm-hmm. But we were just kind of arguing back and forth with them, pretending like we didn't know our Spanish that well. And we we're like, no, 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 it wasn't us, wasn't us. And so then, they straight uh, up ask you for money. Like, yeah, they, they want try to like. Yeah, they want money, but they want the the funny part is once you come up with like the the money that they they want from they you. Want more, right? Now you can kind of negotiate it down a little bit, but they don't want you to give it to them just straight up. It's almost like a drug deal. Mm. They'll have one person, like, go around the corner and, like, hand it to them, like, real discreetly. Or if they're in a car, like, this happened one time, they just rolled down the window to the car and told, like, my one friend to, like, tuck it and, like, put it inside the door that, like, through the window in the door. So it's not like... They're just like, give me money, and they take it hand-to-hand. Like, it's it's usually, like, a real, like, shady type of drug deal way mm. that they they do their... I wonder... They don't have body cams or anything Their money. There. Actually, I'm not sure. They're pretty advanced. I would uh, assume that they do. They have a big CCTV program mm. out there, and, yeah, they, they've got some money. I so. wonder if anything... Because, ha- obviously, this is a no... Like, if I know about it, then, obviously, everyone in the country knows about it, their country. Um, do you think that... Like, I wonder if there's ever been any repercussions for the police doing that to the point where they have to hide it. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just their corruption and, like, a way to make a little bit of side money on their day-to-day, uh, on their day-to-day job. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure. But before, before you go to these countries, do you research the law of what go, happens if you get caught painting? I'll hear stories from either the locals I'm with or people who have been there before to get an idea about it. But, uh no, not really. Just kind of go for it, you know. You've never been bagged in another country? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what's happened? Uh, I don't want to talk about what I was painting, but I got in trouble painting in uh, Berlin and got arrested. And, uh, like, Vandal Squad came. And all the Vandal Squad in Berlin is... They have like, a Vandal Squad? Yeah, definitely. And they're mostly Turkish okay. in, in Berlin. And, um, you know, brought us to the precinct talked to us for maybe five minutes booked us took you know fingerprints the whole thing and then put us into you know like like they would do here in new york put you into a a pen and within three hours they they called my name and it was time for me to go that was it they gave me some paperwork and said hit the road don't do it again i was out no fine no uh no i didn't have to pay anything do you know anything wasn't really sure because i don't know german very well and their english wasn't that great either Mm -hmm. But they were just, like, took my fingerprints, took my pictures. I spoke to, like, the one Vandal Squad person in charge there that night. And he was just like, uh, when are you leaving Berlin? I was like, oh, I'm going to Amsterdam next. He's like, when are you leaving? I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be in, like, two days. And he's just like, all right, don't let us catch you doing what you were doing tonight again. And mm-hmm. Get out of here. That was it. And you can go back. It's no problem. Yeah, that was it. Because I've heard of people... I've getting, been back, you know? Yeah, because yeah, I've heard of writers getting banned from countries. Wait, like Tokyo? What's up with that? I heard. Yeah, they're something. they're really strict in Asian countries, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've never yeah. been to... It feels like well, they're, they're mostly, like, uh, like, set an example type yeah, yeah. deal, you know what I mean? Like, they don't, they don't want it to continue, so they go all out when they do catch somebody. Well, if you think about it, in essence, it's like, we have come here to vandalize your prop... Like, your country... 
and now we're leaving. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like so they want to force it no, on you. No, if anything, because they're it makes like, sense, they know we're talking amongst each other in a way too. So they want to know that like if you come to our city, like you better not do this because we're gonna fucking really mm-hmm. mess with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think uh, getting like at least for what happened to me in Berlin, I think it's pretty relaxed because it's like graffiti capital of yeah. Europe. You know, they're they're pretty pretty chill over there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that big of a was deal. that the only time? Um. Yeah, that was the only time I actually had to spend time in, like, in a jail cell mm-hmm. in overseas. You know, it's crazy. So, yeah, I went to Barcelona a few times. And mm-hmm. did you have you been there? Yeah, I have. Dude, their graph scene is... Does Berlin have more graph than them, dude? Like, the moment you get off the plane, you start driving on the highway. Pretty like similar. That whole... The glass uh, highway wall is just... There's literally no space. Yeah. Actually, I, I think the city that I saw the most graffiti was in uh, in Greece and Athens. Really? Yeah, it is. There's virtually no buff out there. It's just completely crushed. Dude, they don't have a lot of money. Their economy is, like, completely shot. So that city is, like, really run down and just covered in graffiti. You, you went there, right? To do Athens you, a few times, yeah. Do you think that... Uh, so what's the deal with the cops? Do they pursue you if they see you writing graph? No, they really don't care. They'll just kind of ride right by you or they'll tell you like stop the shit you know what i mean and keep keep it going have you heard stories like similar to mexico city where cops and uh you know they ask for money and i'm sure like it doesn't really happen in europe mm. you know because they're more um, like you know the the higher ups probably patrol them more you know? my experience no i think just mexico was yeah. the, the bribery <laughs> yeah it's the only place that yeah. i've heard of it happening yeah and it happens like every time. Yeah, I hear they like kidnap people, and then if you don't have enough money, they just like, I don't know, make you go to your hotel and fucking get more or some shit. I think they can like threaten you with that stuff, but yeah. I'll call their bluff on that. I don't. Yeah. Go ahead, dude. I think the shitty part is is that, like, it's almost kind of sick if if when you are painting and get caught, all you have to do is just throw them some bread, depending on how much the bread is. But I'm sure a lot of people would rather do that than deal with what would come on the other end if they didn't do the bribery but what isn't sick at all is the sitting on a park bench and then they just come shake you down find a marker and now you owe them 70 dollars or whatever right yeah it's usually pretty minimal money too like i don't think they wanted anything like super significant oh really like how much is it i think like there was like four or five of us painting and like all together they wanted like 80 bucks US or something what, like that. Dude? So we were just like, all right, like, like, like legal. this is like 20 bucks like to, yeah. to walk away from this. No, no problem. Dude, that's craziness. Yeah. In fact, they, they stopped us for one time for peeing on the street in Mexico. And they wanted more money for that than what? any of the, the graffiti stuff. You would think that they knew like 80 split between five people the way that American currency is, is nothing. So ask for, let's say, $300. Yeah. yeah. Because there's probably almost guaranteed going to pay that. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was another instance, too, out there, too, where my boy was driving the the rental car we had, and he did a U-turn and, like, crossed one of their bus lanes. And, like, cops came pulling up on us on motorcycles, and they were telling us, like, pull over, pull over. So we were like, all right, we pull over. They had us kind of, like pinned so we couldn't even like do anything there was a cop behind us on the side of us in front of us all on motorcycles and we stopped and uh they wanted like 400 us dollars for doing this illegal u-turn crossing over the the bus lane there 
So we were like, no way, like we are not giving them $400. And then they were telling us to like, oh, just drive a little bit further down the road and pull over on like this little back street. So we called our like local contact there. It was like pretty early in the morning. We were gonna, like going off to go do something on our own. And um, he's like, where are you guys? So we told him where we were and he's like, I'll be right there. So like he came and like did a little negotiating with the cops. He's like, don't follow them. Just tell them no, like your friend is on his way. So like we just sat there and waited for him to pull up like 15 minutes later or whatever. And Did you end up paying? We ended up paying, but it was much less than $400. It was like 150 or 200 bucks or something like this and like we had him give them the money to them and he, i remember he kept telling them he's like oh these guys are from the states man is this the type of impression you want to leave on these guys like come on man like this is insane it just has me thinking like they must um uh what's the word like uh, profile people they do this to because i doubt they do this to like like karens or like rich white people that'll be like yo I'm not giving a dollar, and also I'm suing you right now, and you won't have a job tomorrow. You know what I mean? They probably, like, target kids that look like they're up to no good because they're like, oh, fine, like, you know. Or maybe just, those type of people will just, like, pay the money straight yeah, off. Yeah, but, like, like I'm it sure. It probably has to do with uh, what the word is within the police force. Like, yeah. they've probably been doing it for so long that they have a pretty well awareness of, like, who will and will not pay. And also, like, yeah. it's one thing to, you know, be a Karen from America, but it's another thing to, like, tell a police officer that you barely speak the language in and if you are a Karen from America your idea of like what Mexico City is is probably so different from like maybe what we think about it you might think of it as like a straight up war torn third world country so you're like I'm not gonna argue with the cops yo like you know what I mean they might just do that that's true yeah no definitely it's a good point but um uh you went to Istanbul too right I did dude how was that because I've never been to a country like this fucking awesome man it was really cool um, I would love to go back. I just don't know if I'll have the money or the opportunity to do so anytime Where did soon. you stay when you went there? Well, I had an Airbnb okay. out there. Yeah. I was going to say, who do, you, who do you know out there? I did have a local contact, but really? I couldn't stay at his house. And um, You painted graph out there? Yeah. Really? Yeah, definitely. In fact, sure. I just bumped into a kid painting the other day. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, oh, man, I was in Istanbul recently, and I saw you had some stuff out there. I was like, what? That was like five years ago or Four years ago, I went out there. I still have stuff there. He's like, yeah, was, uh, I was pretty surprised to see it. I was like, all right, cool, man. Go ahead, bro. I was going to say in terms of, like, not to change the subject, but, like, in terms of food, like, how, what countries do you feel like the cuisine is better? Like, because Istanbul, like, I know they make some, like, good Mediterranean food. Yep, that's the best stuff right yeah. there. Mediterranean food is my absolute favorite. And, uh, like, the food in, I would say the food in, like, Greece and the food in like turkey is very similar mm. you know a lot of like shawarmas and things like that and but in like greece it'll be like a gyro or something you know what i mean like is it actually it's similar to what they have in america for the, to those types of foods yeah just way better quality mm. like the tomatoes are like hyper fresh and like the meat is like way better pita yeah. is like the pita doesn't even compare you know really it's just it's so good. Do you, have you been to Ensemble, the restaurant in South Brooklyn? You know, no, Dude, I haven't. You <laughs> have to it's go. It's pretty good, huh? Yo. Like, I've had a pretty solid amount of Mediterranean food, but that shit is, like, not normal. I guess that's the best way to describe The quality is not even comparable. Like, yeah. like uh, I don't eat meat, but, like, a falafel there yeah, is like, not the same as, like, a falafel I've had at anywhere else from actual restaurants to um, – to, to the carts that sell it and I can just imagine like the meat and everything else is on the same level like 
That place is the bomb. You would you would oh, be so hyped. Checking it out then. Thanks Dude, for the thanks for the wreck. It's in uh, Bay Ridge. <laughs> but uh, in terms of your experience with the law, like we were saying, um, out there versus here, what has your experience been here in New York with dealing with the law when it comes to graffiti? It's pretty chill too. Um, I've been arrested a few times out here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an overnight thing, and that's it. They send you on your way, but you got to deal with it afterwards. Mm. As opposed to when you're there, you can kind of just leave, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, you do your community service, you pay a little bit of money, and that's it. What, what did you get caught doing? You were painting Freighter Street. Oh, always street stuff. I think it was a handful of times. So it was always street. Yeah, it's pretty hard, I think, to get caught painting freight. I feel yeah. like you have a. They don't care so much here. Yeah. Yeah, they don't care. Because I also feel like you have a giant upper hand seeing as you know the assuming that you know the yard like the back of your hand you have like you also see them coming from a way farther away and also there are no civilians to a call someone or b be the hero in that in that moment Mm -hmm. so like the main factors of them catching you which is like a civilian calling a civilian being a hero them patrolling uh just the streets in general which they do not patrol the yards in general like they do the streets and also, like, them sneaking up on you is... Those are all essentially gone if you paint freight. Yeah, I've heard stories of people getting in trouble painting them or being chased or seeing police in the locations that you can do them around the area. But, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never really had any crazy no, just, situations just happen. Just the thing about, like, a devil's advocate thing. Like, you would think they would secure it more because if you break it down, it's like... There's a lot of money in what they're transporting, all those goods, and, like, in a certain way, it has to be at a certain location at a certain time. So, like, if a train runs over a kid and it has to deal with that and, like, it messes up, it's, like, millions of dollars almost, like, you know, like, it being delayed or, I don't know. Yeah, they're worried about safety of people being up there. Like, you know, there's a lot of moving things happening, and they don't want somebody to get lose a leg or whatever situation can happen. almost, that's what I'm trying to say. And there's people that go up there to steal what's in the freights mm-hmm. which is typically beer which is what they're after you know really they transport a lot of beer and freights yeah yeah beer and paper lumber that sort of thing and people just go there and steal the beer yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude i had no idea yeah yeah it's like a big big thing it was actually in the news maybe like three years ago that uh, a lot of beer was getting stolen out of one of the locations which kind of heated it up for a little bit, so you know, stayed away for a little while. And I've been, I've been in, in tracks seeing how seeing people um, climb up onto the inside the garbage mm-hmm. freights, and they pick out like uh, material to scrap, like copper. Or, like they'll even go really low and just like little old waste pipes, which you get like nothing for. They'll just you know carry it out. You know, it's it's pretty interesting how people just there's money everywhere. If you really everyone's looking for a come up, yeah. you know, yeah, it's, dude, it's, it's crazy. It. Um, but, um, yeah, how did you get into... So you're a chef, right? Yep, that's it. How did you get into cooking originally? Um, just... I did, grew up in, like, a pretty eccentric household. I was always eating some strange dinners and stuff. You know, my parents are kind of hippies and were eating weird stuff where my friends down the street were like, oh, we had spaghetti and meatballs. I'm like, oh, I had tabbouleh. And they're like, what's that? You know, like, just always was eating strange things growing up and was always into food. And then I started working in kitchens when I was pretty young and got put under the wing of the executive chef at the time and just kind of taught me what I needed and just built myself up from there. And What made you yeah, want to get into it in the first place, though? I don't think it was necessarily something like 
I wanted to get into. It just kind of all like fell into place and kind of happened. Like I needed work. I was already in a kitchen. And I just I just stuck with it. It was something that, you know, the day went by pretty fast because it was something I liked to do. and could make some decent money doing it. And but you legitimately do. Just you do stuck, have a passion for it Stuck now. with it. Yeah, of course. It built up over time. But at first it was like, oh, maybe I could go do this or I could go do that. Or why am I stuck in this kitchen? It's super hot right now in the middle of the summertime. And I could be in an office somewhere. But <clears> also, now I enjoy it. It's fun. The environment is hectic because I remember I was a busboy for a while and like the the pace everyone has to work in mm-hmm. and it's just like there's no break you're on your feet for like maybe 14 hours a day and like <laughs> like if you can like like squeeze crumbs in like in between fucking orders you're like that's like your little peace time it's, it's I can only imagine being in charge of the food itself you know what I mean yeah like, but I, honestly I don't work in like the whole restaurant environment it's like corporate mm-hmm. cooking so it's like say for like a hotel or like is it different when, when it's for a hotel it's it's a little little less crazy than working in a restaurant, mm. you know. Restaurants are kind of like everyone's partying or bugging out, working real fast and long hours. I so get I've met some chefs that because they cook so much at the restaurant, they Just don't cook as much at home. Are you on that type of thing too? No, I'm cooking at home as well. It's yeah. like yeah, definitely. I think there I don't, really don't is. I have like to eat so much. I'm usually cooking inside at home when I get home from work. It's like something. Something to do when you get home, you know. And you you actually look forward to it. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, while you're making the meal, you are getting hyped that you are going to consume this right afterwards. That's it. And you have, especially, I can imagine you, who understands, like, the science of, of seasoning and, like, what actually goes behind it and what, like, how to achieve a certain flavor. Like, I personally, like, I really like cooking, but I have no understanding of, like, if I want to achieve this type of flavor, then I have to use this, this, and this because of whatever. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this mushroom seasoning makes it taste really sick and just add <laughs> coconut uh, coconut milk and it's going to taste crack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I actually don't know, but um, I've always been really in- into it and, like, the idea of, like, uh, not only knowing how to make shit taste good, but how to make things that otherwise people would think are, like, the healthy foods that otherwise people wouldn't eat taste really good. Like, that's a really powerful thing because you can make it actually enjoyable, which is like the whole like thing that people don't like about uh, healthy foods is that it doesn't taste as good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, definitely. You can make some uh, healthy food taste good if you know what you're doing, I guess. Something I'm starting to get into a little bit more. I, uh, the person I live with, I should say, is like real into eating healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's kind of opening my eyes up. She's like, you don't eat enough vegetables. You don't. Can we just eat like only vegetables for today and are tomorrow? Are they vegan, vegetarian? Or? No, not at all. Just they came from like an Asian background where they were like really balanced meals, you know. Mm. So it's like, yeah, they're eating a lot of vegetables for sure. Yeah, cooking. cooking. Not the meat isn't the star of the show, you know. It's usually like everything is like balanced. Yeah, I was gonna say like cooking. Uh, on your own, I feel like I try to look at things in terms of like a spiritual energy type of way. And um, what I notice is that like when you cook your own food, you're putting in like, well, obviously like the ingredients you want, you know what's in it, but also there's a certain energy you can be putting into your food too. When you order takeout, I feel like, I don't know if the guy is like having a bad day. I feel like that's like sprinkled on my food or some shit, you know? And uh, 
it just feels better like completing a meal like you worked on it i can only imagine if you own grow your own food too how that feels you know like picking something putting that in the salad like sitting down like truly like blessing it in a way i think like you know yeah it tastes better when you make it yourself you know yeah. instead of order and take out i find out find like half the time i order something i'm like disappointed you know <laughs> i'm like i just spent all this money and it's not even that good and it's like so so you know like what yeah, you can do to like, make it taste good i could good. do this better like, dude that's what's crazy to me is when i go to restaurants and they make something that i know that this is how they make it every time and it doesn't taste good i'm like did someone not like who approved of this you know what i mean like who they're trying you're trying to make money so who approved of making this this is is bugged out to me yeah it's like uh i was telling you the steam rice roll when is how late is that spot open to because that's not something i can make mm-hmm. but i can why is that not something you can make because i don't really know how they make it i okay. know it's like rice powder and like a, a slurry and then mm-hmm. like i think they throw some egg in there and they spread it all thin on like this flat piece of metal and slide it into a steamer then roll it all up and chop you know it's not I don't have this sort of stuff in my house. I can't make mm-hmm. a rice roll at home, I don't think. Yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, So did you start writing obese before you got into cooking or afterwards? Oh, uh, Way before. Really? Yeah, before. It's funny how that kind of like... Yeah, it kind of plays into it. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I remember um, your name really stood out to me. Uh, growing up, I would just see you on freights. And uh, I remember I came to New York and I used to have this old Flickr account where I would just... I was obsessed and I would just take pictures of uh, all the cool stuff that I saw and um namely graph and there was this like a uh, candy machine that they used to have outside of like the deli and there was like a paper ob slap on it and the o was like a pill the b was like a pill every letter was like a pill almost mm-hmm. and uh i remember you you uh, it was like the sticker was top to bottom end to end so it's fully and i think that i think that that was like the first uh realization in my mind of like oh, okay so when you do a sticker you should probably do it as you would like a, a regular spot, like top to bottom, end to end. And I was super, super hyped on it. And uh, yeah, like, so how, how did you start writing graffiti? Um, well, I came, like I was saying, like I came from like a pretty eccentric household. Like art was always around. My dad is an artist. And um, yeah, so I was always into drawing, always into art. I always excelled in art. I was in like special art programs in school and uh yeah i was just always messing around doodling and painting making sculptures always always doing like a different artistic uh thing Mm -hmm. and um i was a skateboarder also growing up and there was an older kid that uh was in like kind of my skate circle that was i wouldn't say he was a graffiti writer but had like say a black book and would like do little pieces and stuff in there and I always thought it was like super interesting stuff and I was like always wanted to see this kid whenever we were out skating to see like what new stuff he had in his book you know I was always in always into it and I was young I was maybe like 13 or something at the time and um yeah and I didn't grow up too far from the city so I would always take the metro north train down to the city like around the same time once I got like maybe 15 years old or so take the metro north train down or my parents would always take us down to do school shopping you know buy school clothes for the next year or go see a play or whatever the situation was we would come down to the city and i would see the graffiti and just it just drew me in i was just really attracted to it 
and um, I was like, I want, I want to do this. I can, I can do this. Mm-hmm. So made my way to a hardware store and grabbed some spray paint. And when you're skateboarding, you're finding like weird and funny little locations, you know, where you could like do some graffiti. So that's what I did. Is I started. Doing, what did you grab from the hardware? Just regular spray just paint. Regular cans. I forget what it even was. From like black, white, and a red, and just like tried messing around with it and it just i loved it i loved the way it felt the way it smelled everything and uh yeah just started doodling more and trying to like come up with a name and you know get it all together so did somebody put you onto it like it sounds like you just completely observed and just went out into yeah, the world yeah i kind of did it a little bit on my own and would speak to that kid that i was telling you about who had like his little black book and like we would do a little he ended up living with one of my friends like later on down the road but yeah, we would just like discuss graffiti and like what looks good, what doesn't look good. And then, um, you know, it was obviously terrible. And there was an abandoned cement factory where I grew up, where kids would ride four wheelers, play paintball, do this sort of stuff. So I would go up there to practice painting and would go up there like religiously to practice painting and practice painting. And after like maybe six months to a year of doing this, I bumped into some local kids in my area who were also doing graffiti, who I had saw on the streets and like the locations around the area that I grew up in. So I was like pretty excited to bump into these kids. And they were, I guess, kind of like excited to bump into me as well. Like, wow, someone else is doing graffiti too. Mm -hmm. Like, so they like, we exchanged numbers and started hanging out with each other and then they're the ones who like started to like really kick me some stuff you know like that's where I learned how to like make a mop or like this sort of thing you know and they were uh they were like one kid was a music producer and a DJ and was always coming down to the city to record music and do things like this so I started tagging along with him and I started meeting more people and they ended up hanging out with a bunch of guys downtown so we would meet like the downtown scene of graffiti writers and yeah just just kept snowballing and how, how did you come up with it. the name of these um screwing around in a friend's house and he was like i think you should uh or he would always write different names like he was always like just experimenting with different names and he was like he wrote i know he wrote obese and he was like oh man i don't know if i really like this this isn't this piece didn't come out that good. I'm like, ah, but the name's like super cool. I think I'm going to run with that. And I just picked it up and that was it. You didn't have any names before that? Uh, yeah, I wrote one other thing before that. And that was it. <laughs> no, I wasn't really into it. It didn't have a really meaning. It didn't stick. There wasn't yeah. anything like too cool about it. So. so how long has it been since you've been writing obese? Uh, I think I started in 2006 or seven around that time. Started meaning like on some, you were you were still terrible flow or at that time yeah, you were I was already still just going pretty in. pretty bad you know it's, I still think I'm pretty bad it takes a while to pick it up you know I think that the name is really good man honestly uh, I think that it's a name that sticks out immediately among other names because um, aside from just being an actual word what that word is is like the, a pretty extreme thing like obesity like. That's like, I feel like uh, there are words that when you say them, you kind of know, like they sound like what they mean. So like when you say like sharp, that sounds like it would be something that would cut you. I get that. Or when you say like, uh, 
I don't, even, I don't even know, but I just know that like sharp sounds like it's sharp, and and um, but for example, like cup doesn't sound like like anything, or like a water. Like how am I supposed to know what the hell that is, or like a pen? But like obese, like maybe it's the O. I don't know. It just sounds like the most like you you yo you've been going in too hard, man. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's that's pretty interesting. You're kind of on point with that. Yeah. And then like so, I remember the first time I think I saw it was on a freight, and I was like. Dude, this is like, I was probably like, I don't know, 13 years old. I was like, dude, this is like, this is like a, like an obese person who paints graph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like would just tell my friends, I'm like, yo, you know that there's like, this guy's like obese, right? Yeah, he must be huge. <laughs> Dude's got to be 400 pounds. Yeah. You know? We were talking about that before we went to record you the other day. He was like, yo, that would be so funny if you pull up and he's like 400 pounds. Yeah, man. <laughs> like I, I was working on your gram and I was like, okay, so... Now I know that he's a chef and I know that he's like pretty hyped on like cooking and uh, eating different foods around the world. And, and you, in, in that quote, it was specifically uh, travel the world and see how people eat, which like most people wouldn't say that they're going to be like travel the world and like experience life, travel the world and uh, see different cultures. But as opposed to like travel the world and see how people eat. So I was like, yo, it's over. This dude is straight up obese. Like, he's obsessed <laughs> with food. So, like, chances are, seeing as this is what he writes, like, he's probably straight up obese. Come to find out. Like, yeah, it's the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that kind of fucks people up from time to time. So do you, do you right now, are you only on your freight stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to really, I was going hard on uh, some other things for a little while. Started to catch up with uh, me and my friends, so we had to chill out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I spent like a good four years, five years painting other things. That uh, eventually, I'll I'll drop a bunch of pictures on everybody's head. Mm-hmm. But uh, have you ever dealt yeah. with the Vandal Squad in, in New York City? Yeah, definitely. When you get uh, when you get booked, you know they. I would say like seven out of ten times they're going to show up and ask you a couple questions and just brush them off and that's it. But no, never like come into my house or any of that stuff. No, no. Do you have any idea how they choose, uh, like the whether or not they will come to house? Because uh, you know I've heard uh, experiences of people who I'm not going to say do nothing, but borderline do nothing, and then they come to their house. And then I've heard experiences of people getting caught who have done a lot of stuff and everybody knows them and then and then come. they don't come to their house and nothing happens i think they they have the, the right information and they're pretty sure of it and they've got like something they they can get on you i guess they'll show up it's also mostly trains i think you know like that's where they yeah. I feel like if you hit one train and they know who you are in a way that they're more likely to like do might that. have to do a little more than one but yeah, yeah. but i think mta property and all that stuff they uh yeah my boy's sitting in jail right now for this this sort of thing so free bogus yeah i've heard i've heard about a story and like uh all, all the stuff that's happened to him it's pretty sucks dude and, yeah. I, and i really don't it's really in my opinion like a like an unfair thing because if anything like if i was someone who knew nothing about uh any type of graph stuff and i looked at it i'd be like okay well there's essentially two options well not anymore but at one point there was essentially two options Either it will be really all over the place on the streets, from the highways to rooftops to the sidewalks to mailboxes to doors, or it will be essentially like almost 100% just on the subway. Yep. 
Sounds like I would want it if I didn't like it. It sounds like I would want it just on the subway. Because then it's not on my house. I don't have to worry about someone climbing my fire escape. I don't see it unless I... Some, I might not even see it. If I'm living in Manhattan and, and, and the train's on the ground and I don't take the train, I'm not even going to see that shit. Right. You know, so it's like, it doesn't even make sense that that uh, what happens here is if you if you paint the train, then that's what will really bone you as opposed to if you catch a million throw-ups on the street. It's not... It's not the end of the world. It doesn't even make sense. I think it's because it's, like, their property. You know what I'm saying? They don't want you to fuck with their property. So, like, they feel like MTA is city and state property or whatever. They don't want you fucking with it, you know? And uh, I think that's pretty much what it boils down to. Like, also, same thing for the street. If you start painting a bunch of city property, like, say, bus stops or whatever, they're they're going to come after you, you know? Yeah. They, they care about that shit. So, essentially... Like, if that's true, then then they don't really care if you paint. They care if you paint their stuff. Yeah, they give a shit, for sure. Well, they give a shit if you paint their stuff, but not if you're painting not their stuff. Right. Well, not that they don't yeah, give a shit. that's why the streets look the way they do, you know? Yeah. It's like other people own those those shutters and those buildings. They don't care. It makes the city look like shit. They want to clean it up a little bit, you know, so it doesn't just look the way it does now. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely crushed right now yeah uh what was your deal with like when the pandemic happened uh in terms of just how your life changed did your life change at all not at all man i was still out there working i was still doing everything i yeah my life didn't change the hotel kitchens didn't nope that was it we were still working i wouldn't i'm not at a hotel but i'm just using that as an example oh okay okay okay. corporate chef okay okay um yeah so i was always working did you paint anymore in the streets when that happened? No, I, I don't know what it is, man. I'm just not... The streets don't excite me the way they used to. You know, when I first moved to New York, of course, you want to, like, run around, make a little name for yourself. But for the most part, it's like when I'm drunk, leaving a bar or something, I'm going to catch some tags. If I got a friend who comes to town and he's all, like, hot, I'm doing a couple spots, okay, we'll do something. But for the most part, like, I'm not... I'm not, like, super crazy about the streets the way I used to be. It just doesn't excite me the way it did when I first moved here. There's other things I would rather paint that I, that excite me, you know? Yeah, I have a homie out in Massachusetts who, um, he kind of says the same thing. Like, he almost, this is going to sound crazy, but to a lot of people listening to this, but he almost, not even almost, he straight up, like, borderline says that uh, the streets, like, like, don't even count. Like, they don't even, like, to him, it's, like, full freight or nothing, like, for example, he would much, much, much rather uh, do, like, a clean panel than, say, do, like, a throw on a spot that, like, let's say on top of that uh, on billboard on canal. Like, he would probably rather do the panel because the streets, it's like, oh, it'll get buffed or, like, oh, it's not going to. I don't even know. I, I don't fully understand, like, that mentality. I don't fully, like, uh, like what, what was it for you that, like, when did it start shifting and, and why? I didn't, like... I was painting freights when I lived not in the city, and so that, like, was always a part of me. And, um, yeah, I got bagged a bunch of times in the city. It was just always a stressful thing. Just, I don't know, just didn't, didn't, didn't stay around for too long. I was, like, into it for a few years, and I'll still paint a spot here and there. did a couple things recently, but you got to go find them. You know, it's not like... No, it's interesting because not I'm, out there every other night trying to paint street spots. 
a lot of city riders they uh they can go all city you know they paint every night but they've never even stepped foot in a freight yard so i guess it just depends on like where you're from and where you live because like if you live outside of the city in like a small town you can't really hit the town you know what i mean they'll like <laughs> they'll, like come after you the same day right. and uh, nothing really runs so like i could imagine freights like things that travel all across the country is the next best thing you know so, that's the way you got to do it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah if you're from a small town you're gonna paint the town you're gonna be in trouble real quick you know so it's you're better off trying to find freights or whatever or traveling you know yeah that tra that traveling one is it's like traveling plus graph is like a do you ever feel like when you go to these places like you arrive there especially in like your earlier days of traveling that it's like you know, the laws here like don't apply to me yeah straight up yeah let's go to the local store to get our paint and let's start doing what we want like to you do. almost feel like you'll just do anything because nothing can go wrong like this is all fake or if it goes wrong right. like come on i'm on vacation man mm -hmm. what's up what was the deal with uh you went to you went to paris you went to the catacombs but it seemed like uh you went to a part of the catacombs that was not available to anyone yeah i had a local friend out there who uh i linked up with we did our painting for a few days we were really successful in like all of the the types of painting we wanted to do and we we're like all right what what else you know we still got a few more days he's like oh we could go down to the catacombs you know i know a really good way to get down there i've been like he had been one other time before so he's like oh i've been one other time before and um you know pack this pack that and let's meet and go so it's like he's like bring water bring food bring alcohol a headlamp and meet me at this this location at such and such a time so we met up with him and we got onto like some dead tracks and found like walked down the dead tracks for about a mile or so and then there was like just like a little small opening in the ground that like you had to like crawl through on like your hands and knees and you entered like the real catacombs not the touristic one that everybody goes to i guess and uh dude and when you were, you were yeah we were stuck down there for a while you got stuck down there yeah we couldn't find the way out it's, it's definitely a maze like as soon as you get down there you will like walk down like a hallway the ceiling starts to get lower and lower and lower so now you're like crouching down and like water there's like water all of a sudden so you're like sloshing through like knee-deep water you didn't think to yourself and like uh this is like this might be a bad idea <laughs> i'm kind of down for whatever yeah one of the friends that i was with like from the states here was like freaking out a little bit he's like dude do you think we're gonna like get sick from like hanging out in all this like stagnant water this whole time or dude that's what i I'm would like, be, i would be nah, crawling and i'd be like yo the ceiling is getting lower and there's stagnant water okay so, so yeah, just like, keep putting one foot in front of the other man let's see what happens like this is this is kind of a cool adventure you know well, so, so it was, it was wait, sorry it was it was completely dark completely dark and then there's like people that also like party and hang out and like spend like their whole weekend in the catacombs in the in the part that you went to yeah, it's a huge, like, system under there, like a huge network of tunnels, you know. So uh, there's, like, you know, little rooms that you can crawl off into. Um, but they light, like, or drop, like, smoke bombs in there. So once you, like, make your first left or make your first, like, you have a choice. Say you walk down this hallway, it goes left or right. Where are we going? Let's, let's go right, you know. Then next, get to the end of that hallway, left or right again. So it's just, like, a complete maze like you're not going to remember the way that you came in 
and there's multiple ways out apparently but they light these or drop these smoke bombs and so the tunnels are just like completely smoky too so it fucks you all up you don't know like where you're going essentially down there you're just wait who are you talking about the police or what no, like people who, that hang out down there, like, they, they just, don't want other people oh, coming into the catacombs okay. that know it as well as them. And, like, I forget. I think they call them, like, cataphiles or something yeah. like this. These people you that... get killed down there, yo. I've heard stuff like this. Like, if I was going to kill someone, that would be the spot, you know? Yeah. No one, like, you, there's probably no signal. And then no, no one even... The majority of people don't know this place exists. Yeah, there's... There's shit that goes down in there, I'm sure. But. So, what's up with that place? Because I don't know much about it, but I do know that there's, like, human skulls everywhere. Yeah, like, exactly. What, how did that even come about? Like, do you know? I guess that's where they were burying bodies back then. They didn't have space to put really? bodies. There was, I guess, not, like, cemeteries or something. They were just literally building the city of Paris on these tunnels. It's, it's under with, the city of Paris. Yeah, I went to, no, I it's, went like, to under like, the whole city. Like I went to, like, the, the you know, the touristy one. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know anyone in Paris, and, like... I saw that picture and it looked like you had like a little map. Yeah, yeah, he had a map that he had printed out from someone like passed it down to him, but that it really didn't serve us any good. And like the map got really dirty after a while. We couldn't like really see what we were trying to look for. Or... So the picture you took where I saw it was like a bunch of skulls and a straight up like like graffiti in the background and mm-hmm. a, a like a like a hole in the ground, but it seemed like it was super super deep. Uh, was that like the end? I guess, goal of the place you wanted to go to, or you were just going to walk around and see what happens? We just going to walk around, find a little party down there, hang out, get get our catacomb experience, and get the hell out. But we ended up being down there for like eight hours or something, crawling around, you know, one pretty tall person. So I was like crouched down for eight hours. It wasn't too comfortable. Eight hours because at one point, at one point you got lost. Yeah, they. it was kind of crazy. Like the kids I was with down there, I could tell that they all spoke French, and they were like getting stressed out. I could tell. Like, the situation didn't feel good anymore. Like, they were kind of stressing. And uh, then we bumped into another kid down there that was, like, pretty familiar with the catacombs. And he's like, oh, I know a way out. I can I can show you guys. So you're walking, and then you bump into a random <laughs> like kid. Yeah, this kid, I remember his name was Elvis, and he actually, like, looked like Elvis. And That's he was cool. like, yeah, come with me. I can show you guys a way he's out. Alone? Yeah, he was alone, which is strange. And I also didn't understand too much because they were all speaking French. So I'm trying to, like, decipher off of their body language and, like, how excited they were, like, sad they were in the way that they were talking, like, if it was a good thing or not. But, yeah, he was, like, pretty confident he could get us out of there. And then he wasn't getting us out of there. And, like, he was like, oh, this is the way. And then we go that way and it wasn't the way. And, yeah, so... With each turn, you're just believing him less and less. Yeah, we're like, we are not getting out of this place anytime soon. And um, eventually we found a way out, which was like climbing up a ladder to push a manhole cover off. But it was pretty, it was pretty stuck. So what we had to do is send two people up the ladder, like both on the ladder and have like two people pushing on the manhole to, to push it off and get out of there. And then we were like just in the middle of the street. In the middle of the street. I was just yeah. going to say that. Like, yo, imagine. Yeah, a car comes and just, yo, yeah, yeah, it was, it just runs you over. Yeah, it was what? that sort of thing. And then we, like, went down into the metro station afterwards and all took, like, a, a photograph of, of us. And we were just completely gray from head to toe because like it's, it. like, clay that you're kind of walking around in. But, yeah, there's a lot of bones down there. It's pretty cool. There was, like, one little room we crawled into that was the f- whole floor was bones. And there was, like, they took bones and, like, made, like, little sculptures and, like, little towers and stuff in this room. And we kind of just sat in that room and, like, 
smoked a joint or whatever the hell and like just hung out in there for a minute but it just felt weird like sitting on an entire floor made out of bones and like skulls and stuff kind of wanted to like take a piece home with me but i was like i don't think going through customs with uh petrified bones would be the smartest idea dude that is that is honestly bugged out man and you're saying that uh the entire it's not just one little part the entire city of paris is under is under yeah pretty it's sure it's like um, the majority of the city of paris is this network of catacomb tunnels yeah dude, that is absolutely crazy yeah yeah like when like whenever humans are no longer existing and and uh and like whatever eventually life form like occupies this planet if if they have like a consciousness the way we do if they find that they're gonna be like the fuck happened here dude like what the fuck happened here like right, right, everywhere right. else on the planet they're buried in like this kind of way and here this like it's not even like it's like a desert where they're all buried it's like on top of a major city with yep. beautiful beautiful architecture rivers they're gonna find like uh paintings and like so many artists that have come from there they're gonna find like an, a pretty diverse culture and then they're uh, and then they're gonna like uh see this yeah and then they're also gonna see like graph yeah there's also a lot of graffiti under there too which is kind of cool to see the people you would recognize under there you, you know? saw american writers on there yeah definitely it's that's really that's really crazy man yeah that always really bugs me out when you travel and you see it, a writer from maybe your own city or if not just from america or something and you're like Yo, what are the odds dude yeah i'll tell you a really funny story real quick is i was on the tracks painting about a month ago and there's a guy who comes up there kind of often to take photographs of the stuff that's up there and he saw me painting and he stopped me he's like hey what's up man i'm like hey how are you he's like oh um i'm so and so i take photos i'm like oh all right you know and uh he says oh i saw some tags of yours in the catacombs in paris and i put them on my page or whatever check it out i was like wow really so it's kind of funny that even like here in new york i bumped into a rent and i guess he's from paris this guy and uh, he's living here now and he was like, oh, I saw tags of yours in the catacombs. Dude, I what posted them on my page. Yeah, like across the world in like a little maze. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, like if you were to have like trackers on you guys, like you're here, here, you go here, then he goes there. And then, and then you guys are both at the same place and it'd be like. It's kind of crazy, right? You no, know, it's, 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 it's really crazy. Yeah. You know, the world's a pretty big place and you're running into this dude at this time and you the conversation went in a way that now he can tell you that he saw you there. Yeah, it was really strange. I was like, whoa, like, kind of took me back. Dude, know? like, sometimes I'll see, like, uh, like uh, I went to Thailand, and we're driving, and for some reason I didn't think of Thailand as having graph. Um, so I didn't expect to see any, never mind, like, someone I know. And I'm driving, and I look to the right, and I see the first tag I see. And it's not something crazy like he hit, a, like, a blockbuster, which is, like, for some reason to me, the fact that it was, like, some little thing made it even more crazy to me that mm -hmm. I even saw it. And, like, I'm in, like, one of those taxis, and I look to the right because we're at a red light, and I see this dude, and I'm like, dude, did I just really just see that? It's, like, it's like stupid that I just saw that. Like a little cutty stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Or, like, I, I went to Hong Kong, and, uh, you know, I don't know Bucket TKO, but I've seen his stuff. You know, everyone has seen his stuff and the videos that, that are up on him and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder like, what, who I'm going to see around here. And I was walking around like a super, super like financial like shopping district. So there's not like the walls were bombed or anything. So I'm like, oh, I guess there's uh, not that much graph here or whatever. And I just see one of his like uh, really sick, uh, just like white, white out tags on a, 
on a pole. I was like, dude, that's really sick. Because I know this dude is not from Hong Kong and, like, right. totally different from, like, just Chinese culture in general. And, like, this is here. It's insane, dude. I saw, I saw um, like I said, I didn't go to the part of the catacombs that you went to, but I went to just, like, the regular the regular touristy part. And I was seeing writers from, uh, from Detroit, from New York, down there. The one I saw, a writer from uh, Detroit down there, who was the first writer I saw, I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Because that's even more OD than seeing it on the street. On the street, right. You're right. like underground in this tunnel. Yeah. You know? It's always cool to bump into that stuff, you know? What did you... It makes what, you think. What marker did you use when you were down there at Mean Street? Oh, we had paint. Yeah, we were using... Catching tags with paint. Mm. So it was, I think it was like Montana 94 or something like this that we had. It's just cans of black and white and like enough stuff to do like... A bunch of tags and that's all we were doing is we were walking around walking around walking around catch a tag catch a tag pretty cool i just picture like the catacombs from what i see in pictures like the walls are just head to toe with skulls so like when i hear you guys talking about like people catching tags and just like picturing people catching tags on these skulls was it, it wasn't like that right they were no, like spread out yeah it, there was like sections that there was a lot of skulls and i'm not really skulls but like bones like Wait, what was it like a like a room like how do they organize this stuff? yeah i was gonna say is it organized no it's not uh, it looks like they just threw them all there like yeah it's just kind of spread out all over like in the mud you know it's it's kind of like clay down there the the dirt yeah, it's it not yeah. it's like mushy you know and there's just like bones stuck in it and like that kid elvis i was telling you about he knew like a spot where it just was like a giant hole and he like stopped all of us and there was a rope and he pulls the rope up and he's pulling the rope up, pulling the rope up, pulling the rope up. And at the end of the rope was like a perfect skull attached to the end of the rope and was like, look at it, look at it. And just like dropped it back down. So like he knew the catacombs a little bit enough to know like where this like perfect skull tied around this rope, attached to this rope is down this like, like well essentially. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how like we think this is insane. At least I do. Not insane, but just really interesting. Like, what, yeah. are, what are the odds of that shit? Yeah. But if you really think about it, like, a lot of shit that we have just in our present day is just as, like, interesting and kind of crazy, but we just are so used to it that we don't see it that way. Like, I'm not saying that, like, an apartment is, is as interesting as, like, a fucking underground den of millions and millions of skulls. But, like... I don't know. I'm just thinking of, like, people who have no idea of our life and culture finding, like, even just some stuff like this. Being like, well, what the hell used to go down in this room? Like, why is... Who is this? You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. who is this? And, like, why are these things here? And, like, what is this? And what is this? Like, what is this? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, life is crazy, bro. But, um, dude, thank you for uh, for coming on the show and, like, uh, speaking you on, your, on your travels. Yo, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, peace.